America's Card Room is bringing the Online Super Series 6. From April 15th to April 24th, you'll find 76 killer events spread out over 10 days with buy-ins as low as 6 cents. The OSS 6 has $2.5 million in prize pools, including the $1 million guaranteed tournament on Sunday, April 24th. Only at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 85 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all of the previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for the next show, then email questions at OneOuter.com or tweet them or Facebook them, and we will be sure to put them to Alex. As you can tell from my intro, uh, one of the reasons I should probably pre-record an intro at least, is uh, I've been really floored with the flu, Alex, so I'm feeling really sorry for myself. I know you were ill a couple of weeks ago, Alex. It's made its way over uh, to Scotland, and I'm really struggling here uh, with very heavy sweats and not eating at all. Uh, so the the positive is I might lose some weight, um, <laughs> but uh, I yeah, I just I'm not eating. The only thing I've been eating is like liquids, some some soup, but anything like I try any, I just can't eat it. I just really bad flu. Oh man, I'm uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you know, just uh, what we're gonna do for this episode is you uh, you just ask me the questions and you make some noises while I'm answering. So it's it's pretty much no different than any other episode. So you know, <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it's the issue. Yeah, 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 you know what I mean. And you know, you'll get half the money when it's done. So don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's it. It's a good deal. You know? yeah, right. uh, but um, yeah, I think it's funny. Like I work for myself, work from home, like yourself, but. There's something about getting sick. Like, I picked this up from my nephew. Um, you know, he's like six, so he brings home everything. And I was down seeing him, and the next day I was feeling a bit strange. And then Tuesday, this is Thursday now, I was just floored with it. Yeah. Like, com- completely floored. And I phoned my brother and said, you know, he went, oh, Blair's been really ill as well. And I was like, oh, well, that's where, that's the source. <laughs> but there is, there is part of me that gets it, and you just start, like, evaluating. I'm like, God, you know, I've got to sort my health out, you know, like at that right. stage where, like, just eat better and stuff. Because, yeah, all right, you're still going to get stuff and pick it up. But you know what I mean? You just want yeah. to be like, oh, when I get over this, I'm going to be eating more fruit and vegetables. Right, right. And just try and, like, rebuild your... It's like your body almost telling you, like, you need this vitamin or that vitamin. Yeah, or exactly. You know? It's really... Uh... Uh, it's really interesting how many people actually have vitamin deficiencies too. Like there's, uh, I've been reading a lot of research about that. There's a, uh, it, it, there's one part of the United States. It's uh, Arizona. Actually, Carlos Welch was telling me about this. Normally, the the test costs like two thousand uh, dollars to find what you're deficient in, and. Uh, 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 there it costs two hundred dollars. Uh, I think you can do it in Costa Rica. I'm not sure where it is, but uh, I, I asked my brother, who's a nutritionist. You would assume this would be. I sent him an email. I said, "Hey, where can I get this done?" You would assume this would be the advantage of having a brother who's a nutritionist, right, and works out of your clinic on, on occasion. He uh, he took two weeks to respond to me, and then he responded back, "Yes." 
And I was like, thank you. That, that's all I needed to know is that it existed. And then, yeah, I mean, especially when you work for yourself, you kind of, uh, like, a day off only costs you. It doesn't cost the company. Like, I used to, like, look forward to being sick at, you know, yeah. school or, like, uh, my old jobs, right? Now, now it's like when I'm sick, I'm like, no, oh, I, I don't have time to be sick. And uh, it's amazing how many times you can power through it. Like, the fact you have the flu and you're here today, just, it blows my mind. But at the same time, it makes sense because if, if you know, if you don't show up like that, uh, that only hurts you, you know what I mean? And it hurts me. So you find a way. Saw, if, you, if you saw the state of me lying on the settee just now with my laptop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If I had to get dressed and come and meet you somewhere, I wouldn't be there. All right, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, I would be like, no. Um, well, it's weird because I thought, you know, imagine I was feeling so bad and today I'm still burning up and whatever. Yeah. I thought, God, the amount of times I've traveled, it's a miracle. Like, it's lucky that if you felt like this and then had to fly or something, there's just no way you could do it. I've done it. I had, oh, uh, no. I had, I had, uh, I don't know if it, it was probably the worst food poisoning of my life. Like, I really wondered if I was going to die uh, in Thailand. And uh, I went, a, uh, one of the reasons I don't fly KLM is I went to the airport and I explained, like, I, I cannot fly today. And it was like, by the way, it was, I was vomiting on the way to the airport. I was vomiting in the car. I was vomiting in the airport. And they said, if you miss this flight, it will cost you uh, the entire ticket. Right. And I said, well, I'm too cheap for that. So uh, I, I went through the security line and I vomited in the security line. They asked me what I was doing there. I, I said, well, you can go ask KLM. And uh, yeah, I got on the plane. And I remember in the plane thinking, like, if I die on this flight, ooh, my family's going to collect like <laughs> they're going to they're they're going to make some money. Right. And then so I was trying to figure out a way to communicate to them. I had like I didn't know it was food poisoning at that point. I just, like, I, I guess I was, like, 19 years old. I was just, you know, stupid. I, I didn't know what food poisoning was. I just knew I woke up, and I, I, I felt close to death. And then, yeah, it was, uh, uh, the weirdest thing was, like, I fell asleep, and then I woke up. We landed in uh, Ireland, and uh, I, we flew from South, South no, Singapore. And uh, I, I, it, it was just completely gone. It was really weird because, like, when I fell asleep, I was like, eh, <laughs> well, this could be it. Let's go. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and, uh, yeah, that was pretty I wonder, bad. I wonder if they do that, like, nowadays or the current climate. I think they'd maybe be a bit more, you know, nobody wants responsibility of, like, yeah, you could exactly. have, like, fucking Ebola or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's you're a being, good point. You're being, you're being sick in the queue. Or sorry. Like, if, right. if I'm getting on that flight and I'm like, wait, hang on, you know. Or, or like, you know, you could have, you could have like, uh, six condoms full of cocaine as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I guess, yeah. that, I guess that was before SARS because now I think about it, like, 2009 – if you left with SARS, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, but no, in like 2006, they had like the bird flu. I remember that, right? So you'd think they'd be pretty hesitant. I guess this was like 2007, but yeah. I was surprised like how callous everybody was about it, right? And then uh, 
the woman started yelling at me because I lost my itinerary. I was like, I, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't see when my right eye was bulging out of its socket the 17th time I vomited. But like, yeah, anyway. Ugh. Yeah, brutal, it's brutal. Yeah, it is. I was just thinking, I was, because I'm going away in May and I just thought, you know, getting on a flight where it's it's hot one minute and then it's cold the next minute and, you know, you're burning up. It's like, oh, you just want to kill yourself. Oh, you yeah, know? no, it was... Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. It, it it was pretty bad. Anyway, hey, uh, yeah. you saw the uh, you saw the battle rap video, huh? Yeah. No, no, I've not watched it yet. No. Oh, yeah, I mean, you just left a review. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No, I did. Oh yeah, that was it. You said the next thing to review was that, and I just got it in my head like you know, <laughs> the movie guy, you know, like in a world, you know, like. He, he he was a you know a fisherman you know yeah, he, like, he, he battled his way you know through and then just like a close up of your face and like the crowd like USA USA <laughs> and then it was like what I was going to I was I was a bit delirious I think when I replied to that one, I was going funny. to say I was going to say what was that again I was going to be like he wanted to leave his country but they wouldn't let him or something. <laughs> 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 and then the crowd like USA, <laughs> it's like That'd be yeah, yeah, some spoof film. When yeah. I when people think when I win the main event that I'm just gonna leave poker, oh no, I'm gonna sit around farting around just like you, you and I are talking about this. When I win the main, we're gonna do it. We're gonna have the we're gonna have the commercial right interspliced <laughs> with like Rambo scenes in my face. Right, <laughs> he just couldn't get out. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. pipes and like a training scene in Costa Rica, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the eagle in the sky, like. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> so, god, that'd be incredible. I know, right? Well, I'm a bit delirious and uh, thingy. So, what what's happening with the uh, the battle rap? I have not watched it, but I, I will watch after this. I promise. I always say that. But I, I watched the last. <laughs> I will. I watched this one as well. And um, what's the response been like? Uh, overwhelmingly positive. Most people say it was my best battle. I was definitely way more comfortable. Uh, that was. That, that was just generally like I practiced to the point there was no chance I could forget a line, which was mm. not the case last time. Like I, like I, I put in a stupid amount of practice on this one. Like, uh, and it was pretty. Uh, it, it went off pretty well. I had some missteps. Like there were a few times I'd start a phrase incorrectly. Uh, just kind of the adrenaline in the moment. Uh, my opponent uh, was spotless. He's like a really good battle rapper, but uh, he he's kind of it, it, there's sometimes he's just he doesn't like his delivery is really good, but his material isn't a, it, it, you. I, I feel like he leaves the writing to the last second. And mm. in this case, I think he had to keep writing because they kept changing his opponent and that just right. kept getting him new lines. So he wasn't he was incredible. Uh, everybody was trying to pick a winner online. He like came on and he said we both won, which is uh, he's normally pretty and um, he's a pretty ag aggressive battle rapper. So I took that as a compliment. <laughs> That's gonna be the, like the closest I got. You know what I mean? Um, watching back the footage, I I don't think I won. Uh, he was way more consistent. Uh, I had a few missteps. Uh, I definitely. Uh, uh, I, I, I definitely, I had a misstep in my third. I thought my third was spotless. 
And I, I did have, like, I said the wrong word, and then I corrected myself, like, really quickly, but that does kind of interrupt the flow. I did recover from it pretty quickly, but, uh, mm-hmm. like, if I was proud of anything in that battle, it was, like, there there were a few missteps, and I recovered from it, like, really fast. There were a few bars I thought were incredible and, like, got no response. Like, t- tell me if you think this is clever. It's, like, you know, I took a piece, okay, the ending line, You, I took a piece of Holmes, escrow, Welcome to the A Auto Pen Show. You gonna make it? When though? Now this is where it ends, bro. I'll put a full cartridge in his body, like he the original Nintendo. Like I thought, yeah. I I thought that was good. I thought like, how the hell has nobody thought of that before? And the response from the crowd was like, eh. <laughs> like, and then I I was, and then like to recover, I said he had a bunch of video game lines, so I said my video game bars crap on yours, like as a joke, right? Just because mm-hmm. nobody was re- reacting. And then the crowd reacted, and I was really proud of myself there because I, you know, I used to watch, like, Dave Chappelle, like, just make up something, like, on the, on, you know, off the cuff while he was, uh, while he was doing stand-up, and I was always like, how the hell did he do that, right? And then, you know, it, it is kind of a natural thing, like, when you're more relaxed in the ring, and it did happen, so it was cool, you know, it was a, it was just a good battle, I think it was, uh, I think if you like more bizarre writing, like I definitely like wrote my ass off for the battle. So there's a lot of like goofy lines. I didn't freestyle that much. I freestyled a lot in the last battle and I like my lines that came out of that. But like this one, I just, for whatever reason, I just couldn't really think of anything, even though he, he made a lot of lines that were easy to make fun of. I just, I couldn't think of like a really good one. And there's a, there's kind of a thing in battle rap where it's like just because you can flip something doesn't mean you can. Uh, yeah, I mean doesn't mean you should. See, I can't. Sorry, guys. I woke up and I haven't really had my coffee. I was actually late today because there was no coffee in my house. I went to the local market. There was nothing. Then I went to the. Uh, <laughs> that's something about uh, Central America. You forget is like they just run out of coffee in some stores, right? Like when was the last time you walked into a grocery store? in the UK and there was no coffee. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so like, I was like, okay, I have to go down the hill just a little more. And then it was just like apocalypse traffic. But, uh, yeah, I, there's a phrase. It's like, just because you can flip doesn't mean you should. Like if you start your round with like a bar, that's like a five, even though you just came up with it, it kind of sets the tone. Right. Like, and if you pay attention uh, if you pay attention to the battle, like, I always started the rounds with something, like, really accessible and kind of funny, uh, just to kind of, like, take away his momentum. Because one of the easiest way I think, to shift the momentum is just to get people laughing and relaxing and, ha- you know, having a good time. Whereas if, like, if the guy was being aggressive and you decide you're going to come in and be aggressive, I-, I thought about doing that, but I was like, I don't think that's going to work because... Uh, Cali really like uh, represents their people like they're really like they're really loyal to their rappers right uh, and it, it, whereas in like Texas I think they uh, I, I think Texas is just starting their scene so they're really just into is it a crazy battle or is it not whereas Cali has so much going on there they have their favorites where if you go in and try to be more aggressive than the guy they already you know, know and love. I, I don't know how well that's going to go over. So I would just try to like, you know, start with a joke, right. Or something that I thought would loosen people up. 
And if you replace that joke with something that's really mediocre, it's just not, it's not going to flow that well. But like, uh, there, there was, uh, the writing, I, I thought my writing was like really bizarre and like concentrated this time. I had a lot of lines that I was really proud of. Uh, my mom took real issue with one and, uh, my prediction game was pretty good. Like everything I thought he was going to do, he did. So if you hear my third round, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like I'm responding to a lot of things he did in the battle, but that's not, those were just educated guesses based on watching like 10 of his battles. And I, I was just, uh, I was just lucky it came up. There was one, he always makes like jokes about like beating his wife, right. Or beating women. And that was always the weirdest thing to make. And uh, I even had a line about it. But when he does it in the battle, like, pay attention to my face. Like, I really was just like, what is this guy doing? Like, it's the only time I've ever been, like, offended in a battle. <laughs> but, like, I didn't... And I have a line that's, I think, similarly atrocious in that uh, battle. But uh, mm. if you pay attention... Like, if you think about it, okay, when you hear the line, it's in my first round. It's one of my finishers for the first round. Uh, it is my finisher for the first round. Then it goes to a slogan. Uh, it, it's not like it's really bad, but like the person I use as the example in that bar, like uh, there's no chance on God's green earth they're ever going to hear it. Like they're just way too famous, right? So I thought it, you know, whereas if you're talking about beating your wife, I assume she's going to hear it at some point. You know, like, hey, did you hear what he said? But like, yeah, anyway. By the way, I don't know Cobalt's name. I don't know his real name. That just occurred to me. I don't, I don't, like, I go to these events, and I spend two weeks writing about a specific guy. I don't know their name, right? And everybody knows my name, so it's like, Alex, 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 <laughs> Alex. And it's like, you know, just like, I think that's a sign of disrespect, like, when they don't use your, like, your rap name. It's like, yeah, you're not a rapper. <laughs> like, let's use your real, or at least that's how it was with Canon and, plan nine but yeah it was cool man it was a good time uh we're talking power and respect battle league and i are talking uh looks like i'll probably be out there which is which is good you know it'll be i kind of like that the crowd was like really receptive and also like uh like i i love dallas because i got my buddy i uh, i i one of my friends is out there but like uh like Santa Cruz is pretty nice. Like it's pretty like it's a, a that city looks like something out of a magazine, right? So like battling there is pretty cool. Like and hanging out and you know we were out there with the Thinking Poker crew. That was pretty cool. Carlos Welch and Andrew Brokos and you know they were all it's a good and there's card rooms there. So like I can't write off anything when I go to Dallas, right? Because it's like I have to be like yeah I played a home game where it was this home game I don't know. Right. And then but like there I can just be like, yeah, yeah, look, I'm at Bay 101. Here's a picture of me with my chips. Here's. All right. Let's get a charge on the credit card. There you go. OK, there. Let's go, guys. Like but and then technically it's a business trip. I did play there. I was there for the I was at the casino, two different casinos the whole day. So it was technically a business trip. But yeah, it's a yeah, it's looking good. It's looking good. Let's get into the questions. Yeah, good. I'll I'll check that out as well. Give me something to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, the first question is from Richard. And as I say, guys, please excuse me if I cough and stumble through this. I'll try not to. 
Um, I'm trying to mute it when I'm coughing uh, up my guts. Uh, <laughs> okay, it's from Richard. Hello, gentlemen. Hoping you can fit this in on a show. Can you discuss turning hands into bluffs in MTTs? If you could give an example of when doing this would be fine, optimal, and one where it would be just plain dumb. I sometimes find myself turning hands into bluffs halfway through a hand, and then when I look back on the hand, I realise how stupid it was, and the guy was never folding. Love the show, please. Well, that makes two of us. So I, I definitely do that stuff still a lot. Um, a lot of the times, like, turning your hand into a bluff has to do with, uh, here, let me stand, I'm getting a little sleepy, but if I stand, I won't, you know, oh, my health today, Barry, I'm sorry, but, like, <laughs> I got my own pro, <laughs> fuck, Jesus, <laughs> yeah, go, it's like I slipped you a 20, like, that response, like, I want you to cough up your lungs when I make this joke, but, like, yeah, uh, no, uh, one of, essentially, I mean, the basic thing they always tell you in most training videos is when you're at the bottom of your range, you should turn your hand into a bluff, but there's a lot of times, like, uh, there's a lot of times I turn a hand into a bluff when I'm, like, checking the river, uh, like, let's say, let's say the board is, like, jack seven, uh, Let's say it's like jack seven six, right? And I have eight six with a backdoor flush draw. So I have eight six suited, backdoor flush draw, right? Backdoor straight draw. Uh the guy bets I, I call. Uh there's another flush draw on the board, let's say, right? I check the I check the I check the turn, he checks back. Uh on the river, the flush draw comes in. I check and no improvement to my hand. Uh the turn's like a four, the river's like a two, right? Uh and uh, I check, I check, and he, well, I guess like a four is not inconsequential, turns a three, river's a two, right? And uh, I checked him on the river, and he bets. If I know he's the kind of guy to, like, play his flush draws strongly, which I can really find out with the Assassin Isle HUD, I can look at the turn on it and see if he's ever barreled, like, a flush draw, or if he just generally plays flush draws quickly. Um, when the flush comes in, it's unlikely he has the flush it's really likely he's going for value with like a jack or even sometimes with a seven or like eights nines or tens but those hands typically will not call a check raise all in so i'll just i'll, I'll just like i was going for a showdown but when the guy bets i just jam and because my hand looks exactly like a flush draw right uh especially you know a lot of people will leave their flush on the river but a lot of tournament players, especially if you put them in this spot, like late in the game, uh, they're not going to find the call. You have to figure out who, who those guys are, though. Those are typically like the grind, grinded out grinders. Like, there's a lot of people that say, like, okay, I, I notice in your videos you talk about in this situation tournament players never fold, and then you give this elaborate bluff scheme. Well, the reason I, I say that, and maybe I should always really hammer this home, is... Uh, there are some grinders in these tournaments that they make their money by never making a huge mistake. They make lots of little mistakes, but they never make a big mistake. And if the mistakes they make are smaller than the ones you make, they make money over time. Now, it's really easy to find these players because on their shark scope, it's just, you know, it's just like a very slow, uh, it, it's a very slow game. Uh, not really like dramatic results or anything like that. And, uh, Speaking of shark scope, I need to do something with that. Hold on, I gotta remind myself of that. But yeah, uh, there's a 
Uh, sorry, I just completely lost my train of thought. But, like, uh, it, it, versus those guys, I do a lot of bluffs. Like, it, there was a bluff I did at, uh, it was, like, final seven of an F-tops with, like, 300K for first, where I, I like, four bet six deuce offsuit and I triple barreled. Uh, the reason I did that is the guy was an absolute grinder. He was, like, a really good player, but he's he was a grinder, and I knew if I put him in that spot, I, I was gambling he would probably fold. And he did end up doing it, and I showed the bluff, which was pretty stupid, because, of course, nobody was going to fold to me for the rest of the tournament. But, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, there's uh, essentially just when you're on the ass end of their your range, and more importantly, it's really hard for them to have, like, a really good hand. So, like, a really, like a really good example of this, uh, it, like, a really good example of this is, like, uh, it, you uh, you bet and a guy calls with and the board is like nine eight five uh, two diamonds uh, and the guy the guy calls there a lot of the times the guy the guy is gonna raise and uh, a lot of the times the guy's gonna raise with like his really good combinations he, even like six seven uh, he probably wants slow play with all the the plethora of straight draws and flush draws out there his sets his two pairs he probably would have re-raised an overpair preflop. So when he cold calls you there, he really can't have anything stronger than a nine. So if I have like ace five there and the turns like a king uh, or like a queen or it, like a queen is really good uh, because it completes the jack ten. And that isn't that many of his combinations. Uh, there is a school of thought that the best hands, the best cards to double barrel, triple barrel uh, there are complete blanks because the flush draw misses and an eight is still a complete brick. But really the thing is um, they don't hit their turn that often. Like if you use Flopzilla to work it out, uh, this is something that's really interesting to me. I watch a lot of the uh, the pros that are really into being balanced. And like I, I look it up on Flopzilla and it's like, well, he doesn't hit that turn card like, 65% of the time, like even if he's hitting 35% of the time, that's really monstrously large. And that still means he's probably folding 65% of the time on the turn. And uh, if I check with my five, like I, like if, if we had to check turn, check river, like uh, it, it, like it, we have to get him to check turn, check river to see if our hand's good. I don't think that's going to happen that often. So I'd much rather turn my hand into a bluff. So, uh, I, th those are some good situations to turn your hands into a bluff. But, yeah, just also question, like, whether the guy can have the top of his range. I mean, whether the guy can what, – what is the top of the range of this person? And if it's not that high, uh, a lot of times that's when I have – but it's still beating you. Uh, it, a lot of the time, that's usually when I apply pressure. I, I hope that helps. Okay. And sorry, Alex, because I am drifting in out of consciousness. Um, uh, more so than usual. Um, the, <laughs> the, you did also say times that it would be dumb. Did you cover that there? Uh, no, I didn't. Like a time to be, uh, a time it would be dumb to turn your hand into a bluff is like when he can have the top of his range, like pretty locked up. And like, let's say the board comes like nine eight five rainbow, and uh, you bet he calls. Well, now he can have sets. Now he can have a straight. Now he can have a lot of different combinations, right? So, like, let's say the turn comes a blank there. He checks, and you have, like, an eight. 
right? Like you have like Jack eight, Queen eight, or something that still has a lot of showdown value. If you should be doing anything there, it should be like you should bet small to try to like buy the showdown. Uh, mm. You should not be like, okay, let's get him off of, uh, let's get him off of a stronger hand because there's just not that many strong. There's just not that many stronger hands to fold here. Let's say you even have a five there, a hand that's more comfortable to turn into a bluff. This like if the board comes nine eight five two rainbow uh, four rainbow, let's say an eight just doesn't like to fold because they do this thing where it's like, well, if I called on the turn, I gotta call river because nothing really changed. Uh, that I've heard that thousands of times, right? And uh, I, I versus where like, oh, what could he really have that I'm beating? Uh, it, people really love to call down on those boards uh, for some reason when you could possibly. Uh, it, when you could have possibly have flush draws, some guys just really choose not to believe that. They, you got to look at their statistics as well. They're fold, uh, like if they don't fold post flop at some point, they're it, like generally they're probably not going to do it for you. Like if you, uh, uh, like if their fold to c bet is like sixty percent, that's good. If their fold to turn bet is sixty percent, even though they don't fold on the flop that much, that's good. You can go after these people. Uh, but if like, if it's just like, and there's a lot of guys like this in poker because they run really good for a while, by the way, like huge poker players for like a year or two, will have statistics like this, fold to flop C bet 33, fold to turn C bet 25, fold to river C bet 11, right? So like once they call, they do not fold and just for a year, they run really good like that. And then, you know, they're, uh, they they're never going to fold again, like ever, because it worked for them, right? And then uh, it worked for them for a year. Like literally, you'll talk to them seven years later. Some somebody's still giving them money to play tournaments. You have no idea why. And like, but they just do don't fold. They they'll never fold. Like you'll. Uh, and then there's certain like regulars that just do not like you. This happens like when you're from the same country. Like I notice like Romanians are pretty brutal to other Romanians. Uh, that's, and you can do that with like 10 different countries. Uh, Americans, like, I mean, this kind of happens with me. Like a lot of Americans do not particularly like me. Probably the most brutal treatment I get is in Las Vegas, uh, with people who know who I am. And, uh, those guys don't like to fold. So like in that case, like if you have like ace eight, that could be like a triple barrel for value hand. That's not really a hand you want to like turn into a bluff and uh you know there's just yeah you gotta and there are guys that do fold a little bit more you uh generally uh generally they're the more grinded out professionals the the guys that are a little more secure with themselves uh i i notice a lot of times like married men will be much more comfortable with making a fold uh unless they look like the typical frustrated because they've just gave up on I'm joking. I'm no, joking. I mean, I know what you mean. Well, it's kind of like there's athletes that are married that are just like, you know, they, they become like monsters after that, right? They're just like really contented and like, uh, you know, they're like I was watching Kobe last night score 60 points in his last game, right? Like, and he was always with the same woman except for that indiscretion. Or I, should, I don't know if indiscretion is the right word. Rape accusation. Which ended up, <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, yeah, indiscretion. <laughs> yeah, it, it ended up well. It ended up like unraveling, but I, I guess he paid her some money. But who knows, right? But like, yeah, you always watch like Kobe, like what a dominant force he was. That that was something. But then there's like, 
Michael Jordan, who seemed like he hated everything in his life and he was married. Like, I don't get the idea he'd fold. Uh, that, that doesn't, but like a really contented guy would be like, I guess the young newlywed a lot of the time will like just let it go is something I've noticed. Like I was thinking of professional poker players when I thought of that, but like, yeah, like, uh, if you get the old, like, uh, Oh yeah. But if you do get like the 35, 40 year old guy who's like successful in other things in life, has the family is happy. That guy can let go of a hand typically. Uh, you know, you get the young, like, insecure, like, 22-year-old kid with the hoodie and the headphones, and he's sweating through his Ray-Bans. Like, it's, uh, I, I don't see him folding that often. So, you know, I mean, use, you know, uh, use your judgment. Great thing about poker, it's a lifelong game. Have fun with it. Take notes. See what you learn. Yeah, I, I just got a flashback there when we were talking about um the folding like people find reasons to call as you say you know they want reasons right. to just call they the reason in their head and the famous one i always used to hear like playing live i put you on like, ace king yeah yeah <laughs> always always yeah. I, I, I put you on ace king there you know yeah, I, put exactly. you on ace king. I, yeah. I used to say that when ace king would be the nuts like yeah. or something like the boy would be queen jack that and i'd call with like jack seven suited and then they'd be like what the hell were you calling with that for i put you on ace king <laughs> what? Like, and I'd be like, what? Like, I mean, isn't that right? Like, and then, yeah, and then people, I don't know. It, it was really fun. Poker players will always assume you're not messing with them. But this is every poker player's belief of, every poker player believes every other poker player is trash except for them. So it doesn't matter how long I've been writing articles. It doesn't, I mean, like, in good articles, like articles everybody can read and, like, have a very difficult time refuting. I've been doing that for 10 years, making training videos, uh, final tabling tournaments. I have like six final tables in the last like 10 days or something ridiculous. And I will sit there and I will say that joke, Barry. And they'll just go, well, Assassinato's trash. Like he obviously is stupid. Do you see this play? Or like, I'll, like, I'll do this play. Like the board will be like Kev, queen seven, five, like two diamonds. Got, I, ch- I check to the guy, the guy bats. I have the ace of diamonds, like nine of clubs, right? And uh, <clears throat> I check-raise uh, a decent size to wrap, because I'm blocking the nut flush draw, which is what I think. Uh, he, that blocks, like, a lot of his combinations that would be three-bed jamming on the flop, right? And uh, I, I just think the guy's, like, only when I check-raise, he has to jam or fold, and I think he's only going with it, like, with, like, a queen, I think is about what he goes with. And if he, even if he, but here's the great, the beauty of the play even if he defends with a seven or greater, my play is still profitable, right? It's just not as profitable. Well, the guy jams, you know, after like three minutes, right? He makes like the right decision. He makes a really tough jam with like tens or something, right? And I'm like, you know, I'm generally, I'm genuinely proud of him, right? Like, because you kind of have to root for your opponents. Otherwise you'll like hate yourself. Like you do have to go, I'll like, oh, good play, right? Because then that just kind of takes the sting out of it, right? Like there's a, battle rapper named Charlie Cliffs, people will say the most horrible things to him and he'll just sit there laughing his ass off, right? Like, uh, and that kind of takes away a lot of the thunder, right? And then, like, you know, I'll generally feel good about the guy uh, doing well, you know, and I'll be like, uh, and then I'll hold up, like, a nine of clubs, right? And I'll be like, I had pocket nines, I wanted to see where I was at. Just like, you know, the most, like, dumbass thing I could think of, right? And, like, people will sit there and be like, Assassin House sucks. 
Like, they'll never in their mind ever think perhaps it was a joke, right? Or perhaps it was a ploy just to get, like, the old-timers, like, they're going to be like, see, I know how y'all think. You know, we're on the same team, right? So when I check-raise, I got a little something, right? You know, and they'll just, yeah, I mean, people will just automatically assume this guy sucks. And, yeah, it's cool. Poker's awesome like that. Use people's arrogance against them. It's, a, it's wonderful. Anyway, moving on. Okay. Uh, next question is from Wayne. What's, uh, his hello. Name? What's his name? Wayne. Oh, Wayne. Uh, I, I thought you yeah, said... Yeah, as, as in Bruce Wayne. Or I, thought, I, thought, Wayne. I thought you said Wynn. <laughs> like, oh, right. I was like, wow, nice yeah. name. Uh, hello, could you guys find the time to talk about motivation? I go through spells where I simply can't find the desire to play. These spells come at times when I'm winning and also losing. The problem is I play for a living and sometimes I don't play for three or four weeks and my savings and bankroll get used for my monthly nut. How, uh, so how can I stay motivated and play through? Thanks. Get a mortgage. You'll get really good at working, trust me. Get a, mor- get a mortgage and own a business. Then, you'll, uh, then you, don't really have a pr- you don't really have a choice because if the business lags and you weren't working, you're going to feel really stupid. But no, uh, honestly... Uh, honestly, I, I, I should probably talk about this a little more extensively because this is a big deal now. I hear this more than anything these days with poker players because when you come into poker, you're really fired up. There's a lot of new discoveries. You feel like, wow, I'm really getting good at this. And then you kind of get to this point, you're, you've reached, like, competence, like, really... Uh, Excuse me, uh, I was all about to cough there. <clears throat> you get to the point, you're like very competent at the game. You win sometimes, you lose sometimes. You tend to get a little further ahead than you used to. Uh, the money was exciting when you were younger. Like I remember the first time I made, like, uh, I, I, what, the first time I like, uh, I, I made $7,000 in a month. I was like uh, 18 years old and I was working security. I, I mean, even I, I was very desensitized to money. People always talked about that, like how like weird I was about money. Like I would never really get excited when I won as much as I should. And like I, I, I would lose money and like I'd be pissed off, but the next day I'd be okay. Whereas, you know, most of the guys in the game who were like 18, 17, like we were at that time, they'd be pissed off all week or to, you know, and I certainly had those times. I guess I just had them earlier. I guess like at 15, 16, I started learning about like, well, if you're going to be mad all week that you lost, you're, you're going to have a pretty tough time. Right. But like, mm. you know, you start making money, you start feeling good. You start like, you know, you buy some nice things for yourself. Uh, you know, like I always wanted, like, I always wanted a sick apartment in downtown Seattle. Right. Because that was, that was something like all these kids had like dorm rooms in Seattle and like uh, at the University of Washington, I was like, well, you know, I'm an alien. I can't go to college because I don't have the money for it. And uh, I don't particularly want to go to college either. So it's not like I, you know, I don't want to pull out a student loan. That's going to cost me $200,000 for 20 years. But like one thing I can have is a, a really sick like uh, condo I'm running out. Right. And uh, I, I did that, and, you know, I got, I got the flat screen, I got, like, the leather couches, I got, like, the library, I had an office, I had a really sick sound system, 
which my neighbors really appreciated. Uh, I had, uh, you know, I had like the, like the kitchen was like amazing. Right. And then, and then at some point you realize like you get to that point and you're like, Oh yeah. Like, I don't know how to cook anything. Like what, what does it matter? Right. Like that. I have this great kitchen. It's like, what, what does it matter that I have this flat screen? I don't have time to watch TV. Right. Like all I do is play all day. And then it's like, okay, I, I want to play video games when I'm so stressed, man. My, like my shoulders are like really bad. Right. And then because I'm, I'm just playing poker all the time. Right. And it's like, oh, this is a sick pad. I'd really, you know, like I'd like to show a woman around here. Well, how do I meet a woman? Right. Like, I'm just going to go to the club. I'm going to, I'm going to bring some club trash back here. You know what I mean? Like you start realizing like you're, you're outside of the realm. Right. And then you get these things and you realize they don't really make you happy. Right. And then God help you. If you think like, I just need a little more. Right. Like there's, I know a lot of guys that were like, well, I've just got to buy the condo. Right. And they, they play, I had a friend of mine, he played five years. I'm not making this up. Like probably 12 hour days, five days a week, uh, five, six years. And he did it all to buy like this one place. And it was like a million dollars and, uh, he, he paid for it. And then he kind of hit me up. He was like, is this it? I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah dude. It's a house. <laughs> like, it's not going to make you happy. Like, I mean, it, it's a beautiful home. Uh, it, it's wonderful for, you know, uh, for him and his family. You know, he has his family come through and that's nice. But like you, you have to, I, I find the people that enjoy the ride, like it, it, this was something I was thinking about Kobe Bryant last night. Like I was watching Kobe Bryant playing and it was like, it was like part of my childhood was retiring, right? Because it was just, I can remember when I was in like grade school, when he went into the NBA, that was a big deal because they used to always do this crap with us. Like, see, even so-and-so, you know, even Michael Jordan had to go to college, right? And you need to study so you can go to college. And we'd be like, Kobe Bryant didn't, you know, like, and then they'd be like, shut up, Alex, you know, like, and then uh, Kobe Bryant was just our hero for that reason, right? And we, like, we knew high schoolers. High schoolers came in to help with the school. And the idea one of them could be in the NBA was just, like, mythological, right? And then, you know, just as, you know, there's always basketball on in the United States, right? Like, you go to other people's houses, like, it's on. My dad always had it on. And Kobe was just always there. He's ubiquitous. And then, like, one day he's retiring. You're like, dude, you're not allowed to do that. Like, and then his final game, everybody... You know, I was watching the beginning of that game, and he just airballed the first, like, five shots, right? And I was thinking, Kobe, come on, man. Leave everything out on the floor. Tomorrow you'll be sore. You'll hate yourself. You won't know why you did it, but you can, you know, you'll be a, you'll be a champion forever. You can just retire and have your hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And I was thinking, you know... <laughs> Like, to us, that sounds amazing, you know what I mean? Like, literally hundreds of millions of dollars, right? And to him, I bet he, there is no fiber of my being doubting this. There is no, there is no, no part of me that doubts this. I bet he would give everything away, like every, uh, every uh, smidgen of credibility that comes from his name recognition, every dollar he's ever earned, every slight synapse of muscle memory every like uh every everything everything program 
to go back to being 15 years old, not knowing, you know, scared back in the gym. Right. I, he would do, I, I, and you think about like Oprah Winfrey would give away all of her money, her billion dollars to be a lot of these people's ages again, like 24, 25, you know what I mean? And have nothing. They would do it again because it's the ride they value at the end. Right. Nobody ever, you never hear anybody going like, yeah, man, I was really miserable, but then I made these millions of dollars and everything's awesome. Like every, uh, like, I mean, this is something I really respect about Costa Ricans is they, it's just kind of accepted knowledge here. Like money doesn't make you happy. Like money solves a lot of problems is what they think. Right. They're like, if it's good to have money because when something comes up, you want to take care of it, right? But they have no expectation that it's just going to solve your life, right? Everybody, everybody here, it's amazing. Like, I'll be like, uh, I'll be like, yeah, I play professional poker. And they'll, they'll look at my house and be like, yeah, you got it pretty good here. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, we've been, we've been doing well, you know, I run, I run in the company too. And then next thing out of their mouth is, must be a lot of stress though, a lot of hours. I'm like, you know, I've never had an American do that, like, ever. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it is a lot of stress. It's a lot of hours, but I like it. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, running this stuff, it's tough. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Yeah, but I'm like, I like that because, like, the kid doesn't hear, like, the goal in life is to have money, right? The, the, yeah. the, you know, and then a lot of times, you know, I've explained to a kid, it's like, hey, you know, I like having this stuff, but you and your dad are going to go, uh, and your mom are going to go, you know, you guys are going to have a week at a beach uh, next week. I can't remember the last time I had that. You know what I mean? I can't remember the last time I spent a week on the beach, right? And that's fine. I enjoy what I'm doing. But, you know, there's a uh, – you got to enjoy the ride, right? Now, right now, I think – I find a lot of the poker players, they're not motivated because they got into it for the money, which is fine. I mean, it's good money. It's – uh. It's good money and it's a lot of freedom, right? And uh, we talk about this a lot in the professional's mindset, which is, uh, you know, the the real freedom in poker. People don't, in the words of Tim Ferriss, like people don't want a million dollars. They want the freedom they assume comes with a million dollars. But if you take a million U.S. dollars to Oslo, Norway, and you try to live, I don't think you can retire, right? If you take a million dollars to Costa Rica, you're going to be doing pretty dang well, right? You're going to, like, I've seen, like, ultra mansions here for $300,000. That would have been $24 million in the States, right? So it's like, uh, you know, it depends on where you live. And you can make, like, decent money. And you can, you know, I think if I was making my income in Seattle, I think I'd just be, like, average middle class person. Like a guy who, you know, like a kind of... uh, a guy who's a little higher up at Microsoft, but not exactly like an executive. And, you know, I'd have, I'd have my apartment, I'd have my car, but I wouldn't own anything. Right. But like, uh, I'm here. Here's the thing. That's the pinnacle of poker, right? Like I'm in the top 0.1% of wage earners when it comes to professional poker. And most of it does not come from playing. Right. Like a lot of it comes from just all the deals I've made and all the, side businesses I have, I knew there was going to be like a Phil Jackson in poker. And I wanted to try to become that person. Right. But I still work 60 hours a week. And if you're going to play poker all the time, uh, it, the, the earnings a lot of times are going to be significantly less just because they're, you know, like, uh, if you make $4,000 a month, that's really good. 
uh, that's a lot of money, even in like some first world countries like South Korea. Like my money went really far there. It, it's really it goes really far in Costa Rica. I don't know, it, but it's not going to change your life. And I think a lot of people come into poker thinking like this is going to change my life. I'm not, and it, I think it I think it attracts a lot of like very hurt and dejected young men. Uh, a lot of uh, I think a lot of poker players have. Uh, they do this thing where they say, like, they're on the spectrum, which we always make fun of on this podcast, because, like, technically, Barry and I are on the black spectrum, if you think about it, right? Like, a spectrum includes everybody, right? So saying somebody's on the autistic spectrum is not really fair. Uh, I don't think they have, like, autism, but I think they have, like, they, they're up in their head a lot more than other people. So they have difficulty, you know, it, they have difficulty speaking to women, they have a real difficult time trying to, like, persuade their way into, like, a class they want to take or into a job they want. And I think they're really dejected, and they, they get really good at poker really fast, and they think, this is going to change my life. And they get to this point where it's not, like, automatically changing their life, which is – money doesn't change anything. I've met billionaires that could not talk to a woman, right? Like, I've met that. Uh, I've met those type of uh, people and uh, I've met, you know, I've met very uh, poor people like just in my travels, like through Europe, you meet some backpackers that don't have like $10 and they live like Kings, you know what I mean? Because they, they can talk with everybody and have a good time. And, you know, uh, a lot of times they're like, okay, I'm going back to the hostel. Oh no, no, no. You're, you're sleeping at my place tonight. Right. And it's like, Oh, okay. You know, it's it, it, playing poker is not going to teach you emotional intelligence, right? And it's not going to make you happy if that's the only thing you do in your life. So uh, what I say is, like, you, you have to appreciate, the. I think, the real earnings from poker. Uh, like, in the Navy SEALs, they, they say there's two salaries. There's the money you get, then there's the discipline, Right. There's a lot of, I've talked to a lot of ex-military types that have done really, or excuse me, they're not like ex-military, they say former military, right? And they, uh, they do really well in business because they have like discipline, right? And uh, they appreciate a lot of the little things because they're like, oh yeah, I remember Afghanistan, right? <laughs> like, this is all right. And uh, the salary you get in poker, there's a couple different salaries, okay? First, you get money. All right. You don't get a ton of it a lot of the time because they don't talk about this in the magazines and stuff. But a lot of us are just grinded out pros. And this includes me. Like, I, I probably do better than a lot of the grinded out pros, but I'm still a grinded out pro. Uh, I still work 60, 65 hours a week. I, I love every minute of it, but it doesn't change the fact I work that much. Right. And then uh, that's the first salary you get. And if you just focus on that, it's not going to be worth much. Right. Uh, the second salary is freedom. You get to decide how much you want to work, where you want to work, and how you want to do it, right? And uh, that a lot of people never cash in that salary. And the third one is the discipline. Poker can teach you to become a much more accepting person. If you work on every day trying to see things from your opponent's point of view, you will become a much more empathetic person. Right, you will become a much more patient person. Also, if you work on it every day, you have to make an attempt to work on it every day to become a better poker player. Now, most people just want the money, 
So they focus on that salary. They don't ever cash in the other two salaries. And guess what? That makes the first salary, the money sal- monetary salary, suffer. So if you try to cash in all of these, I think you will really start enjoying poker a lot more. I went through many years I did not enjoy poker. Uh, they, this was because, one, I wasn't doing anything with my life I really wanted to outside of poker. And I wasn't – we don't get it. You know, the things I want to do in poker right now are make another major final table, uh, make a, win an online major. I've final tabled 20-something online majors, and I don't have, like, a clear win, right? I have, like, chops. I, 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 have, so, I have some chops. But, like, uh, like, as far as just, like, an outright win, you know, I've been one-outed. I've, I've outplayed myself uh, before, and, like, that's kind of the one I want to get now. Do I get to play majors that often? No. I mean, I, I don't... Uh, that, those are a lot of money. I make much more money playing like 50s and 100s, right? And uh, it, that's much more consistent money. And uh, so, like, if I just focus on my dreams, I'm going to not do what I want to, like, make money and also to, like, make footage. But I'm going to be doing what... I'm going to be chasing these, like, very high-variance dreams and making my life miserable, right? So... I have to pursue something else in life, right? And this goes for you, too. Like, try to think of what you enjoyed as a kid. This is something I had to do a few years ago. I was extremely unhappy, right? I was making good money, but I was not happy. And there was a part of me that was like, you know, when you're just not excited for the day, it doesn't help your exercise. We were talking about exercise at the beginning. I wasn't exercising as much as I used to because... I just wasn't excited about anything and I was depressed. And when you're depressed, you don't really like get off your ass that much. And, uh, you know, I wasn't really getting into poker because like poker was all my life was and I was really sick of it. So I had to ask myself, like, what did I used to really enjoy that I've kind of like buried because of poker? And for me, that was always I always had a notebook in high school and I was always writing lyrics. Right. I was always writing lyrics. And. I'd ask myself, well, do I want to do, be in another metal band? No, because I'm not really pissed off anymore, and I don't want to do that to my voice anymore. And, uh, but, but I was, like, watching battle rap at the time. I was like, wait a minute. Like, there's no instruments here. There's nothing. It's, it's just guys writing and then presenting it. And then I got into that, and I started really having fun. And then I was like, I, I, it, it's, it, and, you know, uh, you guys have heard about a lot of my hobbies here, so I'm not going to reiterate them, but what did you bury? You know what I mean? Uh, if if you enjoy, I had a guy recently, he really loved writing and he was like, I wish I could write like you do. And I was like, dude, you can like, if you write it, if you write 2000 words every day, which a lot of people can do, uh, well, let's say if you write 2000 words every day, you will write the Lord of the Rings trilogy within th- 320 days, uh, with, to give you an idea of how much, like a little bit each day, uh, can really equate to success. And if, even if it's just 500 words, 1,000 words, just start with something and see what it, it, see what it is that, you know, uh, gets you going. Or it can just be something like, uh, I mean, in none of these hobbies, these hobbies don't have to be, like, super uh, constructive either. Like, I had a friend, he really liked video games, right? Uh, or I say friends. These are all my students. I, I don't have many friends. I'm <laughs> I hang out in my house quite a bit. I have, like, four friends in Costa Rica, and that's about... Uh, and, you know, I don't get to see them as much as I'd like. But uh, they, there's a uh, but like uh, 
I have lots of acquaintances. I, I do get to meet a lot of people, but like, I, like good friends. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, but like I had a friend, he was like, oh, I used to love playing video games, but like I got into poker and now I feel like it's such a waste to play video games. And I'm like, dude, I started playing video games all the time again because it made me happy. And I, I was like, now my, you know, I'm doing a lot better, like in everything, financially, everything. And they were like, you're telling me to play video games to improve my game. I'm like, yeah, you know, I am. And, uh, you know, he started, you know, he, he doesn't play a lot because he doesn't have a ton of time. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm having so much fun. It's like, yeah, that's great. Whatever it is, you know, you got to find that something that gives you a spark. And then when you come back to poker, don't just like sit there and autopilot, right? You got to, here's the big problem with poker. Uh, and this is kind of why I made my webinar master poker with one, uh, one hour a day. And because which is coming up this Saturday, uh, I'm going to make sure Barry drags his sick ass uh, to the computer and post that flyer uh, <laughs> in the show notes. But uh, like one of the reasons I did it is because there's a lot of guys that, that, you know, they only have like one hour to study each day. And I really believe like hours invested does not equal skill. Right. It depends on how it's not the hours you put in. It's what you put in the hours. And uh, this was my attempt to, like, put in the most, like, potent stuff I could that you could be studying, right? But another reason I did this is there's a lot of people that used to love poker that do not, like, love it anymore. I had a student yesterday, a uh, re really good guy, and he was doing all the things I, I, I was teaching him to do through, like, my webinars and stuff. And he was like, I don't really know what I'm doing wrong, right? And I took a look, and sure enough, everything I taught him to in my other webinars look at, he was doing fine, but I, I've been working on trying to find other leaks, and boom, I found, like, two big leaks, right? And you could see his maturity because he was so excited, right? He was like, finally, I know what to do, right? And then he was excited to play again, because when you're just kind of aimless and you don't really know what you're doing, poker is like torture, Right. It's like, oh, my God, I hope I run good today. Right. You start sounding like Mike Matisau, you know, and which is never a good sign. But it, you want to, like, go in with, like, something you want to work on. You want to feel you're feel you're getting better. Now, this is the problem with traditional training sites. A lot of the time is that uh, uh, with traditional training sites, a lot of the time they pay the guys that are, like, really good at poker. Right. One thing I really respect about card runners is they put a lot of emphasis on good teachers. John Van Fleet and Matthew John are like two of my favorite teachers, like period, right? The fact John Van Fleet is also like, in my opinion, the best MT tier to ever play online is like secondary to what a great coach he is, right? But a lot of uh, the way that a lot of other, I, a lot of other like training sites are run is they get big names are guys that are supposed to be big coaches, right? Now, a lot of the, the coaching market I know more about than a lot of people, okay? Here's, here's what happens. Most really good players do not like coaching. They like playing poker. A lot of them like smoking weed and playing poker. Uh, a lot of them are very uh, shy. They don't really like talking to somebody on the phone. And by the way, teaching is very hard work, right? So what you get is there's a lot of uh, 
there's a lot of guys that aren't really great poker players and aren't really great teachers, but they're really, uh, they're really personable, right? And they do help people, but I don't think they do like a great job of once you become like a good poker player, like helping you figure out how to become a great poker player, right? And the sites will hire those guys because they have a reputation as a good coach. You'll watch their videos. You won't really learn much. They'll hire the big name pros because that gets a lot of people to sign up. Those guys don't really know how to teach that well. Like my, we were talking about Michael Jordan earlier, the greatest player. Would you ever want Michael Jordan managing your team? He hasn't done that well in that department, right? There's a, uh, I, I'm watching the Mariners, the Seattle Mariners uh, baseball team. That's baseball, Barry, just so you know. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I knew you had no idea what I was talking about. But uh, there, there was a, they, they started off their season like horrible, and, like, everybody's all excited, right, because it, there's this legend in Seattle, right, Edgar Martinez. He's the hitting coach, right? And I was kind of terrified because I was like, well, <laughs> you know, just because he's a great hitter doesn't mean he's a great coach, right? And, I mean, I know he's getting hired because that gets everybody in Seattle excited. Now, he could end up becoming the best, like, hitting coach known to man, but I don't know. Right. But I'm kind of suspicious. One of the reasons he got hired is because the front office went, oh, my God, people are going to love this. We named streets after this guy in Seattle. Oh, my God, they're going to love to see him in the dugout again. And, uh, you know, that that stuff's not really a great sign. And uh, what ends up happening is you watch a bunch of training videos by guys that should be teaching you. But well, but they're, they're kind of better for a different level. And you don't really find anything and you're not really excited about poker and there's nothing to really pursue each day and you end up not being motivated. And that's when you spend three weeks playing Call of Duty and eating Twinkies. And, uh, oh, wait, there's no more Twinkies. God, I'm so old. But, like, uh, what you want to do is find, like, really good materials and, like, hammer them. Matthew Jonda, I love watching Matthew Jonda videos. He always has something to make you think about I don't agree with some of the things he says, but he, he makes really good arguments, and I think he gets you thinking about poker the way you need to be thinking. And he's like the best like theoretical coach uh, I know. Uh, and then you have John Van Fleet, who is probably the best guy to teach you from experience and also is like really good with uh, the analytics of everything. And... Uh, what I, I, what I try to do with my webinars is try to bring together, like, everything I've learned about poker, which is really extensive, right, and try to make it a little – I think my great talent in life, really, I, I don't think I'm, like, a very naturally gifted poker player. I know I'm really good at explaining complex subjects in a simple-to-understand way. I don't know why that is. I think it's because I'm very – average when it comes to intelligence so i have to find a way to break it down to myself because like every time i'll read like i mean every time i'll watch a training video that's like really complicated i'll always be like nobody's going to figure this out right i wouldn't have understood this the first eight years i played poker but like i'll keep watching it keep watching it keep watching it and then i'll naturally find a way to like oh okay what they're trying to say is this they're just having a really you know literally i can tell you this in two minutes right and instead of you guys having to watch hundreds of hours of training videos, uh, in my new webinar, I just put everything together. And 
that's going to be Master Poker with one hour a day. So be sure to check that out where uh, you can, uh, on the flyer, we got a huge list of topics that uh, we're discussing. Or you can just write me at assassinatorcoaching at gmail.com if you want more details. Uh, I'm not going to use up a bunch of time in this uh, uh, podcast to talk about it again because I've already done that. And I, I don't really think that'd be polite, but it, it, it does, you know, it, you do want to get fired up. And, you know, you don't have to do this through my webinar. Just get fired up. Find something that teaches you, educates you. You know what I mean? There's lots of concept videos out there that really are helpful. Look for concept videos. Those are the ones I find get people fired up really quick. And the good thing about, like, concept videos is five to ten minutes in, you'll usually know if the guy's a crackpot, right? Whereas if you're watching, like, hand history reviews, the guy could have some really good habits, but you might be 45 minutes in before you go, oh, 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 okay, this guy, yeah, okay, uh, moving on. And uh, so, yeah, anyways, guys, uh, I guess we should wrap this one up. Yeah, um, okay, Alex, thanks for bearing with me. And I've been muting it now and again to cough. So ah, you're fine, man. Um, how can people get in touch with you for private coaching? Your webinars this Saturday, you said. Yes, yeah? sir, this Saturday. So Still I, tickets I, available. I will put the flyer in the show notes for this episode. So if you're listening to this episode through iTunes or uh, other links, then go on to oneouter.com website, click on episode 55, it'll be on the front page, and the flyer for Alex's upcoming webinar will be there, and then that will tell you how to get in touch, etc. Alex, what, what's the best way for people to contact you for one-on-one coaching, etc.? And uh, j- just another note, guys, it's $99.99 if you sign up before uh, a- April 16th. Even if you can't make it to the webinar, I can send you a recording of it a couple days later. But if you order it April 17th or past that, uh, it- it's going to be $149.99, right? There's an early adopter discount. So uh, you guys can write me at assassinatorcoaching at gmail.com if you want to talk about private coaching uh, or if you want to, if you want to talk about private coaching or if you want to just, if you want just more information on the webinar, uh, I can certainly send you a lot of stuff. There's like preview articles that are going to go out too. I'll send you some of them. So you can just read some of the concepts that come up that are going to come up. And uh, also, uh, Check out my website, <coughs> excuse me, pokeredrush.com. Uh, sign up for the mailing list through there. Uh, you do technically need to sign up for the mailing list to get the discount. Uh, and, and it's really easy. It takes like literally 10 seconds. Uh, and you should sign up. So, Bar- Barry, did you see my last email? Or have you just been dying? No, I've, I've, I've still got it in the uh, inbox, but I've, I've not read it. No. The last email had... The, news, the newsletter, yeah. The newsletter, yeah. yeah. Five, it had five free training videos, two podcasts, and another free article inside of it. And there was discounts. Uh, for, there was a 30, 40, 30 to 40% discount on the upcoming webinar just because you subscribe to that newsletter. So be sure to subscribe to that. And PokerHeadRush.com is kind of my fun site. You can see all the battle rap videos. You can see the trip reports, the blogs, the strategy articles, the me ranting about how much superhero movies suck, uh, lot, lots of good stuff like that. And uh, if you want to read about any of the products or anything, go to twitch.tv 
slash the assassinato. Uh, if you want to watch, uh, uh, if you want to watch any of the videos with um, uh, John Van Fleet and uh, I mean Ape Styles and uh, Matthew Jonda and myself, uh, you can sign up for Card Runners. Use promo code Free Month all capital letters. Uh, that gets you eighty percent off. Uh, it'll be thirty dollars for two months, then thirty dollars a month after that. And uh, yeah, also uh, be sure to check out that new battle, Cobalt Forty Five versus Assassinato. Uh, you can uh, you can check it out. Uh, it's on it's on my Twitch. If you go to Twitch.tv/slash the Assassinato, there's a link to it on my Twitch. But you have to kind of go to the bottom of the advertisements because Twitch hates me and won't like bring it to the top. Uh, you can also just Google it. I mean, you you have to go to YouTube. Don't Google it. Go to YouTube and just put Cobalt 45 versus Assassinato. It should be the first thing that pops up. Follow me on Twitter, at the Assassinato. And, uh, yeah, uh, that that's about it. Uh, hope to see you guys again soon. Okay, and sorry if we didn't get your question read out today. There is a few backlogs that I have uh, in a file, but we will deal with them next episode. Keep your questions coming in for Alex email questions at oneouter.com uh, or tweet them or Facebook them. But as I say always, email questions at oneouter.com is always the best way to get them to me. Thanks for listening and putting up with me uh, and my flu and, you know, crying out for sympathy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> please do keep listening. Thanks for listening to this show and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. America's Card Room is bringing the Online Super Series 6. From April 15th to April 24th, you'll find 76 killer events spread out over 10 days with buy-ins as low as 6 cents. The OSS 6 has $2.5 million in prize pools, including the $1 million guaranteed tournament on Sunday, April 24th. Only at America's Card Room.